You're listening to The Re-Engineered You. This is part two of a two-part episode about seeing people as resources. You're about to hear Todd and I watch a Walmart union-busting video, which was intended to scare new employees from potentially joining unions and seeking representation. This is a shorter, truncated version. To find the full 15-minute clip, you can check out our website next week when we release that as a bonus episode. You can also check out our sources on our website, www.redatchengineer.com, if you'd like to watch the video in full and follow along as Todd and I react to it. <laughs> this music is great. None of this looks fun, by the way. This is a... Anyone watching <laughs> this would say, oh, this sucks, you know. Why am I doing this with my life? That's one of the things I enjoy about this job, the way Walmart Associates can really make a difference in someone's day. I also love that the people in this store are like a second family to me. We really pull together to take care of our customers and each other. It's not just a place to get a paycheck. No matter how big the company gets, this place is special to us. You know, you're just beginning your career with us, and it's hard to grasp everything that's available to you, like great benefits. So it is worth mentioning again um, when they talk about their their flexible jobs, uh, you know, and their opportunities. Walmart and McDonald's are among the top employers of beneficiaries of federal aid programs like food stamps, SNAP. It's hard to grasp everything that's available to you, like great benefits. Um, and that's not just for their part-time workers. We keep using the part-time thing as a metric because so many of their part-timers don't have any benefits whatsoever. But 70% of the people who are getting those, um, you know, those aid programs are full-time workers already. So it's, it's full-time workers who need that extra boost. And a really friendly and fun place to work. Well, just see for yourself. A job at Walmart is a good job. In fact, there's no retail company that offers more advancement and job security. Than <laughs> yeah, they, they also say there's no retail company that offers more advancement and job security than Walmart. Uh, this from New York Times in 2019, 70% of part-timers said they wanted to go full-time and couldn't. 70%. Yeah, that's pretty high. 70% want to go full-time. So, like... In the video, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, we uh, almost all of our, you know, managers and, and our officials are, are, you know, promoted from within. M most Walmarters can't even go full time. Like, <laughs> imagine being a part time pyramid builder. Like, that's that's terrible. You've made a great choice to work for Walmart. and We're glad you're here. But the reality is you're not the only <laughs> one looking to get your foot in the door at Walmart. <laughs> You might have heard stories on the news, read about it in the paper, or seen it on the internet, but labor unions are really interested in Walmart and have spent millions of dollars specifically focused on us. Now, I think you know by now that our company prefers to have open and direct communication with our associates. We don't think that a labor union is necessary here, and because our associates have said time after time that they don't want a union, we usually don't spend a lot of time talking about them. But as a new member of our team, we do think you need to know this. The truth is, unions are businesses, multi-million dollar businesses that make their money by convincing people like you and me to give them a part of our paychecks. That is true. <laughs> so you have to wonder, right. are they really just interested in the welfare of Walmart associates or is there something more at stake? No, they want to make money. Here at Walmart, our associates are used to having a voice in their workplace. Our company has always supported an open door policy and we're used to having our voice heard for free. 
Look, unions get almost all of their money from monthly dues, initiation fees, and assessments against members. A very common argument that is anti-union. Um, again, I, I don't always believe unions are the right thing for everybody or for the right case or the, the right type of labor. But generally speaking, um, people under unions make about 10% more income. I'm in control of my own career. That's something Forbes points out is that, you know, most sources lump a lot of different jobs and types and skills together when they do this sort of union calculus. Um, not all people make that extra 10% cut. Uh, sometimes it is tied to what type of work you're doing. But generally speaking, um, Todd and I have done so many episodes recently about CEOs and how corporate stock buybacks came into existence in America and how the recessions and depressions have gone. If you just look across the years, stronger union representation in America generally means people make more money. It's hard to think that one little signature can be so important, but in today's world, your signature means a lot. To be honest, I don't like handing my signature over to anyone, much less to unions who seem to be spending so much time trying to hurt my company. My signature is too valuable for that, and so is yours. We've got a great thing going here. Well, let's just go a friendly and fun place to work. It isn't a friendly and fun place to shop. <laughs> We've got a great thing going here. I mean, here. I, to me, I compare it to, and I feel for the employees because I know they're abused. They look like they're working in the state pen. You know, they're against their will. They look they look tired and, and rude and, you know. Great benefits, job security, career opportunities. It's important to remember signing a union card isn't just about you. You could also be affecting the people who have worked here for years and enjoy Walmart for the same reasons we do. Have you ever asked, you wouldn't dare ask someone in Walmart for help, would you? I wouldn't. They'd bite my head off. I don't think they'd bite their head off. I'm afraid of saying something sad to a Walmart employee and then them, like, that pushing them over the edge. People like me. And me. And me. We've all found <laughs> Jeez, a home with Walmart. Yeah, exactly. There should be a suicide watch at every store. And we're glad that you've joined the team. Good luck with your new career. We hope that you never have to deal with a union organizing drive in your facility. But if you do, we hope that this video has given you the information you need to stay in control of your valuable signature and your career. Welcome to Walmart. Oh, man. It, it gets slimier every time I watch it. Um, it's... It's scary, Joe. This this is worse than any sexual harassment movie I've ever seen. Yeah, it's so manipulative, and it's so hitting on those emotional buttons of control. Yeah, it it uh, yeah, it's, it's it's disturbing. <laughs> it's all yeah, it's all fear. Like it's it's you know, it, banking on people not wanting to like fearing the change that might occur. Um, yeah. So let's let's start and then saying yeah. The f the first thing that was kind of propaganda with me is that they they chose pe people of different ages, different ethnicities, different points of their lives, right? To kind of appeal to the masses. They're they're trying to appeal to two point five million people here, Joe. And they're saying and they're using scare tactics. Well, you first. Well, we had we had an episode once where we talked about propaganda and how mere ex the mere exposure effect, the idea that. If multiple voices say a thing, it becomes fact in your mind. So let's start with, I mean, it's a literal propaganda video to, to convince people not to get representation if you work at Walmart. We talked about that Walmart offers medical to part-timers rarely, but it's only after 90-day trial period. So if you're a part-timer, which a third of all of their employees are, that's not, I mean, that's right away. That's, that's 
their first selling point is just uh, garbage, hot garbage, right? Yeah. Poor. They're poor, yeah. They're worth, they're giving their whole life. They're spending more time at Walmart with us than they are with their own kids or their husband or wife or their partner at home. And they're not. It's not a livable way. This has happened some years ago. You know, I was in the military, and with the the, the newly enlisted people in the in the army, the, they couldn't they couldn't feed their family. They're all on food stamps. They're all delivering pizzas at night. And you would think if you were <laughs> signed up to serve your country. You wouldn't be living in squalor, you know, and this is the exact same thing. It's like, and it's not just one case. It's everybody. It's, it's 70%. It's a high, high case who don't have that family support or don't have a spouse that makes a certain amount of money. Heavens forbid, heavens forbid you get a sick child or your own health problems from, from the forklift and from running around and everything. Yeah, you can bring life. them a Walmart brand aspirin. That'll solve it. <laughs> Um, we had an episode when we, when we did the episode about Amazon, we also kind of, um, I don't know if it ever made it onto the podcast, but, uh, I found a lot of research about how Amazon sets up their warehouses in impoverished areas. They will pick a, a town or a city where there is a tremendous amount of poverty and they will strategically position themselves where they're the only job within 40 miles, which is like the average for commuting where commuting wouldn't be worth the money so like they know how to position themselves to get the largest labor force possible with the cheapest amount that they would have to pay their labor force walmart does the same calculus yeah so they have this depth they have this really sophisticated demographics and they have very educated whoever risk people or whatever you call them who make hundreds of thousands of dollars to figure how can we get the most (laughs) right nine dollar an hour people where do we have to be stationed? <laughs> right, exactly. That's interesting. Which, which, that's yeah, like that's very interesting. It, that's like if King Tut dies and you don't build the pyramid where he wants it or where he dies, you build the pyramid where the most poor people are, so they'll actually have to go build it with you. <laughs> doesn't that seem almost evil? Yeah, you would. <laughs> I mean, I hate to be dramatic, but doesn't it seem like it's like whoa? You know what I mean? Like wrong? I, I don't know what you say. It's it's definitely I mean we this whole episode's about using people as a resource and if you're planting your oil well on top of a reserve of oil that's a resource. If you're planting your warehouse on top of a reserve of poor people, that's a resource. That's literally using them like a resource. So um there's another part that they talk okay, my favorite guy that poor there's there's a a man in the video wearing like a orange shirt. He's an older guy talking about how unions um ruined his last job <laughs> and he talks about how the unions took dues out of his paycheck like taxes like he he never you know uh you joining a union is something he'll never do again uh because he wants his promotions to be based on his own performance and the, you know not a union says the man moving boxes in the back room i can't stress enough in this video he does not look happy to be there even in the video where he's an actor you know, I had a thing, I was in a relationship with a woman, and she worked at the Holiday Inn and their union, and she was in the food the food beverage department, and, and she used to tell me stories that I was horrified about, how the union attorney would come down to visit. You know, they, they're like reps, or, you know, they come, they're, they're, they're your representatives, you're paying them money out of every paycheck. You do. It is similar to taxes, you know, but it goes to, to them, and they, they're millions of dollars and whatever, but they come down, and she said that, all it was was just people tattling on other people. As soon as that 
attorney walked through the door, it was everyone had this list of things to bitch about. And it just seems so, and the longer they were there, the more they had to bitch about. And you just almost, and this was a union that they're paid well, they're tipped well, they're overcompensated in the hourly, comparably to the rest of the food serving world. And I remember thinking, so again, it's it's hard for me to say <laughs> bad, good, because I've heard both, you know. And then I know my friends who are electricians and plumbers who have, who have, you know, pensions that are, that are great, that anyone could say are, you know, worth spending your life in, and which I think, I think if you work your whole life for a trade, they should pay you back too. Oh, absolutely. I, um, I was in a, uh, we'll call it a, a unskilled or low skilled union, meaning they had a lot of people, human resources was their business. And, um, I remember finding out that the union, um, went town to town getting like, um, security and law enforcement and just anyone who you know uh, was a a big group of human resources they even took janitors like they would come in sweep into town form a union under every single type of labor they could find and then they would just cash that check like it, it was a source of income and i found out that the union that my company had gone with um they you know everybody argued and and petitioned and voted and talked about how much more they were going to make or how much less money they were going to make like they Pro-union people said, you know, we're, we're all going to be represented and have benefits. Anti-union people said, they're going to take your money. You guys are fools. You'll be paying dues for nothing. You know, no one's going to be guaranteed anything. You're going to end up taking... What ended up happening is I found out... You're going to end up taking home... That? You're going to end up taking home less than you are now. Good job. Like, you're just an idiot, you know? Real scare, right? Right. That's exactly the argument that happened. And at first it was true. Everyone took home slightly less because they were paying dues. The horrifying thing to me, and this is at the time I took really big issue with it, um, I found out that that union had a political lean. Like, they, the union that we all joined, without anybody knowing, was paying into, um, uh, I believe it was the Democratic Party. And, it, like, like as a super pact. And I don't believe any union should have a political lean, even though basically they always do the, the, yeah. the history of unions going back to the, you know, the East coast, yeah. you know, like, like the, the, iron workers. Yeah, I was going to say the iron workers or, or the, the auto people. Absolutely. They're definitely dim, you know, <laughs> definitely. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> close. Yeah. Yeah. Later that same union ended up helping me save sort of like, a very shady medical bill that almost wiped me out and it was supposed to be covered but yeah they helped me sort through that so i, I can't really you know talk bad too much about them um not because i'm afraid of anybody on the podcast more just because it, uh, it helped it worked you're grateful in that you're grateful that they helped you you didn't think the value until you really had a problem i remember the problem you have you were being treated very unfairly they weren't paying you on right on um I'm just going to say what it is. They weren't paying you on well-earned. <laughs> You'd been there for over a decade. They weren't paying you on vacation. They weren't paying you on things that was just, to my opinion, criminal. Right. It, it's, it did cost everybody a little bit of extra money at the beginning. But in the end, they ended up basically defending the employees from an employer who got way too big, way too fast. Like they expanded in the U.S. and took over a bunch of other companies. And now they're being taken to task over and over again because they have cheated so many people out of benefits. So it, it did work. Um, I'm, that doesn't necessarily make me pro-union. Like in this video, <laughs> they say that all their sales associates are free to talk openly with their leaders. 
That's what we tried to do in my company, and it did not work. And you and I know this because we did an episode about Walmart wage theft on this podcast. And uh, we found out the only thing you're allowed to take to your employer at Walmart is to say, please stop making me work while I'm off the clock. And, of course, they will say, go back to work. Or we're going to cut your hours as soon as Christmas is over. Yeah, they're... They made a big thing. They made a big thing in this video about. I'd rather handle things myself. I don't need to speak through someone else. I'd rather be direct. That's the kind of person I. As it like this is a character thing. Like you have some kind of power. Right. Like you can go talk to your boss, and a company of two point five billion dollars. When you're a greeter at Walmart, in uh, let's just say Tulsa, Oklahoma, you how much. Do, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what kind of power you're going to have talking to your immediate supervisor. Uh, I right. find it real hard it's, to believe. It's, I, you work in a company that has a population of the size of a small country, yet you think you can reach the head of that? Like you, you can talk to anybody with real power? Well, and they're telling you that you can, that you can talk and you can be heard, which is something that the the, the, the workers tell to us, silly uh, worker bees. <laughs> they'll yeah. listen to us politely and then just go on it's just as things have been for always because <laughs> we're trying to keep our jobs from the higher ups too right right so i i wanted to sort of reference that when we talk about you know it is a is an employer at walmart going to listen to your complaints if you're being treated unfairly i found out there's a walmart violation website like it's a tracker website that shows year by year what Walmart is paying out in fines in worker lawsuits. And it's every year. It is a, a real-time tracker, and it shows you what they're being caught with and what they're paying out just like every couple of months. It is so wild to see that, and it reminds me how absolutely astonishingly large they are as an employer. It's crazy. There is one bright spot I saw in this, and, and this is actually sort of like, I saw this, and I was like, okay, maybe this horrific labor human resource based um like like using humans as a natural resource that sort of um you're a human in a robot factory slaving over boxes i i found something that gave me a little bit of hope for the future and i wanted to know if you wanted me to share it hope or just leave everybody thinking that the future's bleak <laughs> no hope you and hope don't really agree though this is crazy if it had this kind of no we don't <laughs> your stoic approach to i like to <laughs> He can find them. I value my cynicism. I want you to know that. <laughs> please. So please. Walmart is trying to find a cheap way to extend their medical coverage everywhere. Um, they started uh, getting into telehealth. Have you ever done like a, a online doctor's visit oh, yeah. or like a telehealth yeah. thing? Like okay. What, what's that experience like for you? To me, it seems that, that it's... Not <laughs> <laughs> it's very interpersonal. It's very, uh, you know, it's like going through a drive through McDonald's, you know, I'm the number one, please. <laughs> I don't know. I don't like it. I guess I'm old, though. I'm, I'm pushing 50, so. You? It's it's fun in a way that, like, it's it seems impersonal, but also it seems like it is, um, the doctors are just as uncomfortable as you are. Mm -hmm. I had a I had a telehealth visit with a stomach doctor, where I was having like um, stomach pain, which is very hard to diagnose, like just across the board for anybody. And I was standing or sitting in front of my web camera and he was zooming with me. And so like I can see him and his kitchen behind him oh and God. his cats eating like yeah. things they're not supposed to eat on the table behind him. And he had me stand up and he's like, OK, press on your stomach next. No, no. Press above the rib. No, below the rib. No, no, no. <laughs> to the right. And he's like, 
He's like, is there pain there? Okay, no, you're pressing in the wrong place. That like it was so awkward. Did he wear a, and, did like, he wear a stethoscope like, just for looks? Like not even a real one, just for <laughs> see. I'm a doctor. Monitor, <laughs> like airplane. Right. <laughs> That's so corny. Okay, bend over. Yeah, cough. Yeah, it's so bad. Oh my goodness. It's like a long, a long distance relation in phone sex. Right. It's just ridiculous. It's just so silly. It is. It is the unsatisfying phone sex of healthcare. <laughs> Oh boy! Um, so Walmart is extending this into twenty states <laughs> because it's because it's cheaper, and then you can say that you have health care for everybody. Let's say it's not because they care about their people; they're, they're doing just enough to get over that the Mendoza line of see, we have this many people with insurance. It might be shitty over the TV insurance, but <laughs> well, that's that's exactly right. But the the one small bright spot I take out of this is. Um, that telehealth will replace nothing. Like, like they have so many employees who don't have any benefits whatsoever. Them talking to a doctor online for 20 minutes in an awkward conversation that ends with them getting blood pressure meds, I view that as more valuable than the part-timer who goes 90 days without medication and dies on the way because they have an undiagnosed condition. Like, I, I view it as not good. Like, it's by far not enough as far as, like, treating... I mean, frankly, our poverty class who is being harnessed for labor in factories and on you know in stores it's not great but it is definitely better than nothing and that's a great point and i'll speak for you i think we've both been there where we we didn't know where we're gonna get joe and i've had our own health problems but we've had times in our life where we didn't have money for what we needed (laughs) and it's scary right and we could feel it and and we have to reach out to friends and family and what other other resources we got through it but you know I think we have more, you know, we have more re- more people helping us than a lot of people do, right, Joe? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I I, I blame um, your and I persistence in connecting with people and not getting out of their hair when they want us to. Mm-hmm. But that's how to keep a resource is you Be just annoying. keep bothering people. Yeah, you got it down, Joe. Yeah. You're good at it. Speak for yourself. Speak for yourself on that one. <laughs> yeah. People love to have me around. I'm a joy. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> Have we ever talked about the Benjamin Franklin effect? No. Okay, so one of my f- I don't. Rem- I think it was in his journals. One of one of your favorites? Yeah, you know, yeah. Anything Ben Franklin does is great. I mean, I read his autobiography. Um, yeah, any biography, anything about Ben Franklin, I'm in. Yeah, he he talked about tricking people. Like one of the things he did was. Um, the Ben Franklin effect, the, He's a it's counterintuitive. The idea is, yeah, <laughs> well, if he, he tricks people all the time, like he's, he's like, a um, the Jedi of yeah. uh, founding fathers, Sh- but- shameless self promoter, shameless self promoter. Yeah. He, he'll, he'll, he'll sleep in, he'll sleep in till noon and come to work and say the, the hardest, you know, who gets early gets the most work done. You know, he, he, um, he decided when the during wartime that we were running out of bullets he said well I, he owned his own printing business he said, well, i'll make the currency for our country out of paper you know he volunteered <laughs> and i'm sure he helped right. himself to some of it but go ahead i'm sorry uh, i was gonna say out of the goodness of his heart yeah. except he's also it's making him rich <laughs> um but it, when it came to uh, making people remain sort of in your orbit and stay a resource to you and win people over he said he had better luck um, asking people for things. 
So you and I, as normal, you know, right-thinking people would say, somebody's going to be my friend if I give them things. If I go up to them and offer them help, or if I, you know, offer to assist them, give them resources, let them sort of um, uh, tap me for a job or something. What actually works, according to Ben Franklin, and I've read a couple studies that back this up, get somebody else to help you. Uh, He would go ask his rivals for a book. That was his trick. He would go and be like, can I borrow, you know, this rare book that, you know, the library doesn't have. And his political rivals who hated him, like they were, they would be arguing against him, you know, in in Congress one day or or they'd be arguing against him, you know, one evening. And the next evening they'd find themselves talking to him because he asked to borrow a book. They brought it to him. They had to sort of do subconscious backward logic of why they were doing this for him right and they would they would convince themselves oh well i mean like he's my rival but we're we're you know we're both you know we're both working for the good of the country or we're both politicians or whatever they'd come up with a reason why they were doing it and i've tried that in real life it's uncomfortable but it works Uh. you can hang on to resources that otherwise wouldn't be available and then instead of avoiding that person you go to them that 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 takes some that takes some practice, I bet. <laughs> for most of us, right? Exactly. For most of us, yeah. If I have an awkward experience at a corner store, I I stop going to it because I want to avoid everybody as an introvert. But I imagine for somebody like you, going back to somebody as a a resource over and over would be helpful. Well, what was that episode we did um, where you want to like people, you want to give them a second chance? Do you remember that one? Where even though you make a yeah that was a first impression first impressions yeah and even though you make a bad impression us as humans we we are set up to you know and of course their own agenda that this is another powerful man like Ben Franklin they're thinking well maybe if I do something for him you know right that is a really good point and in that episode we talked about how the the conventional wisdom I mean I I literally heard this from my parents is you only get one chance to make a first impression. But not true. our research on that episode, scientists and, and several colleges collaborated and they found out that that is not true. You get lots of chances at a first impression because people want to see you as a future resource. Like like it's it's in our nature to give someone the benefit a second or third time because we don't want to close off that resource forever. We don't want somebody to like make an enemy out of somebody for no reason. And then we don't get to tap into them anymore as, you know, knowledge, information, you know, money, whatever. Have you ever... Okay, so we're going to kind of get into um, a, a slight discussion, if you don't mind. Have you seen rich people treat employees as a resource? Like, do wealthy people treat their employees better or their friends is basically what I'm asking. Based on their value, yes, yeah. I know, um, I think it right popped in my head was someone I know owns several restaurants in uh, the Phoenix area. And their head cook, not a chef, but a cook... Their manager, they they did they went above and beyond for them. They bought them cars for their kids. They, you know, and not 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 Ferraris, but you know, a, a later model, nice car. When they needed it, they get they right. pay they pay their first and last for the apartments. Um, whatever they have to do to kind of keep their hooks in them. I guess what I, I see okay. I see them seeing it as an investment and seeing value in that person, they wouldn't do it for everybody. They, they might not do it for Todd and Joe, but they do it for Antonio, you know? Right. I think that's a really good way of putting it. They're investing in somebody instead of fighting them for it. 
like like fighting them for a resource. I, I think that's that's kind of our the the whole crux of this episode is um, something. Okay, so I'm gonna get a little bit in my family experience, and hopefully, you know, this won't embarrass me too much. So we have a sort of like a, a, a dark family story, as I think most families do, where um, my great great grandfather lost his farm to his brother, who pushed him out on an inheritance. Like they they got in a squabble after their parents passed, you know, um, he got screwed over. Like the other guy, like even sort of like went to the local law and messed with this. It, like like paid them off and you know ended up claiming the entire farm and so he left with nothing like he had to start over completely and that's not only a, a lower class thing to do i'm not saying that like a squabble over inheritance only happens with poor people but like when you and i were reading the history of the hammer family in our last episode i i noticed that like almost nobody gets cut out when there's a massive inheritance strangers get left out to dry like um the hammer uh the grandfather of of army hammer when he passed he was extraordinarily wealthy he cut out his mistresses and his you know people who worked for him but everybody in his family even people that he had like you know told were idiots or like didn't like them he still included them in inheritance like he still you know gave them resources even at the end i think people when they get older too they get more sensitive to that and they get they, they get they compartmentalize things differently because they, they harm the harmer the hammer family is a good example joke it's just what you said there were people that weren't just mistresses but there were people that were very big into his success that he had had a lot of promises and even contracts with that he was going to take care of them because of what they did for him but at the end of the day he gave money to the people that he even his own family just despise and we all think if it was our own kids right we would think if they're just going to be losers just be trust fund kids why don't we give it to people who deserved it who helped us get this wealth but as they get older they get desensitized to that and it goes to the family it's the weirdest thing you see it over and over again yeah i I think that the the takeaway for me for all of this is that um i guess unsuccessful people you know, whether somebody dies and leaves an inheritance, whether it's fighting for a job that is only paying you minimum wage, whatever it is, if you are born in the lower class and raised to think like the lower class, you think money is the resource and you fight for it and you fight each other for it and you 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 die fighting for that resource. But great leaders and successful people I know, they know that people are that resource that making those ties, I mean, the way I've seen you pay employees and the way I've seen you use money to keep ties, the way Benjamin Franklin would, would you know, go to enemies and keep them if he could, seeing people as the resource seems to be the far more valuable thing that, that I can see that, that binds all successful people together. Well, what, and, yeah, go ahead. Well, one thing I saw, you know, remember when Trump, Trump was um, running for the Republican um, ticket, he was really contentious with the other candidates. I mean, it was nasty, right? They hated each yeah. other, all of them. The second he got the ticket, all those guys went to work for him, men and women. And it just kind of blew my mind because they were throwing daggers at each other the day before. And so that lets right. me know that they... <laughs> I want to tell you a story real quick, Joe. Um, I have a friend named Ken Martin. He's very successful. He's He's definitely upper class you know higher social class and i've been very tight with him for many years and i got a job i had no money beyond blow broke i had to look up to see bankruptcy and 
uh, I got this great job making, you know, $80,000 plus salary. And I was going to a training, but I didn't have any luggage. I had no money. And I was embarrassed. And I called him up. And it's hard for him to even understand those kind of problems, that I don't have money. I was going for a company trip. But when you go on company trips, you have to pay for a lot of things, and they pay you back. And I couldn't go. I couldn't accept this job because I didn't have anything. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, I was so embarrassed. He, he, he jumped, hopped in his, his, his um, Mercedes. He met me at the Walgreens with, with nice new luggage that, you know, he had, right? That was probably cost more than the car I was driving at the time. And he gave me $500. And I just remember being embarrassed and, you know, crying in my car. And then he left. And he gave me that $500 in the luggage. And I was so grateful. I was, I was embarrassed, but I was grateful. So I was double tears, right? I get, I get home and I get a call from him and I was horrified. And I knew what it was going to be. I knew he was going to say, Todd, I don't feel comfortable giving you money. You know, it's going to ruin our friendship if you don't pay me back. I just knew it, right? And he said, when I got home, I talked to my wife and she screamed at me that I didn't give you enough money. I'm so sorry. Can I give you a couple thousand more? <laughs> and to this day, that was the kindest thing and sweetest thing that's ever been done. You know, That's incredible. Great leaders know a resource should be protected. They know they'll get the best work out of you if you aren't questioning how you feed your family while you stack butterball chickens in the deli freezers. Poor people are trained to see money as a resource and to compete for it. Mediocre leaders see you as a resource and try to herd you into a pen. Great leaders know what a valuable resource you are. And instead of holding benefits over your head, they reward you so you'll do your best work. Walmart has learned this lesson, sort of. Last year, they attempted to lower insulin prices by launching their own brand called Relion Novolog, which retails for about half the national average. Also last year, they attempted to purchase telehealth, a remote healthcare system. Switching to telehealth could save billions by having workers see doctors online. Walmart currently offers telehealth in over a dozen states. The biggest employer in the world seems to be taking real strides to keep their people in good health. All in the hopes that now workers can focus on building pyramids of Charmin and great value ketchup. Instead of asking you to solve the 90 days without medication pledge. You've been listening to The Reengineered You. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You mean the world to us. We have a new episode every week. You can connect with us at www.re-engineeredu.com. That's where we have research links, show notes, feedback, and articles for each of our episodes. We're not experts in anything, but we've got an opinion on everything. 